Hallelujah. All right. It's good to have you here as it is every Sunday. And I know it's good to see one another just by the look on your face. And let me tell you, where can you come and go to have such good coffee and good fellowship with one another? That's why we make it a point to be here every Sunday to hear the Word of God. It changes us. This morning, I want to encourage you as I do every Sunday to realize that the Word of God can change your life. And, and realize that it's not just the sermon that's going forth, but it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you through the sermon. My point is, when you recognize what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, there's revelation that comes to you. Now again, being sensitive to where you are right now in your life, everybody knows where they are, and everybody knows the ups and downs and all the things that go in your life. But if you have the ability to recognize the voice of God, we have the privilege, listen to me, we have the privilege, we have the, the benefit of being part of the family of God, adopted into Jesus' family. Listen to this. He chose us before we chose him. Now, now the other day, I, I have one of those high-dollar iPhones. If you have an Android, I can just, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but they come up with something called face recognition. Anybody have that face recognition? But my smartphone, I thought, had become dumb. Because it could not recognize my face. But to my dismay, I realized I had a mask on. So I'll just leave that there. If you cannot recognize what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you miss the revelation that comes to you. Some of us here today are going through things and going to reason our spouse just can't get it right, huh? And I'm looking at, I, I'm looking at some of the husbands and they're just like, uh... Some of us are going through things at work with relationships and, and just people that are people. Um, some of us financially are right now in a, in a spot where you, where you need a breakthrough. And, and all the things that we go through that we, if we don't recognize, we don't get the revelation. We do not get the benefit. But it's there. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and me right now. Somebody went, what did he say? <laughs> Listen. You know, I, I heard a story about this, this good man. And, and he had always wanted to do good things for his family. He was a, a cook at a restaurant. He, he didn't make a whole lot of money at this point in his life. And he had three kids and a wife. And he, he decided, he said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my family on a cruise. He saved and he saved and he saved. Any been, been, anybody here been on a cruise before? Yeah, Lisa nearly threw her arm out of joint. If you've ever been on a cruise, oh wow, and he had heard about a cruise and he wanted so bad to go on that cruise and he saved 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 and the day came that him and his family got on the ship. They went on the ship and if you've been there before, you know how fun it is to go over that gangplank and you go, I'm here, I made it. But 
Unfortunately, he had spent every penny that he had on the cruise. And they didn't know how they were going to eat because they didn't have any money for the food. And, and him and his family, you know, they begin to think and think about it and think about it. And, and the husband said, you know, let me go down and I'll, I'll talk to the kitchen and maybe I can do some work for them in, in exchange for the food for my family. And, and so he goes down and some of you are already ahead of me. And the people in the kitchen said, what? Now, you must have misunderstood the whole concept of inclusive. The food is included in the price of the trip. And he said, you've got to be kidding me. He says, anything that you want, just you've got room service, you can call them. They'll bring it to your room. It's all part of the package that you paid for. We do not take time out to just listen to the Holy Spirit Say, this is the way, walk in it. That we don't get up in the morning and we look and long and expect for the victory of God in our life to overcome the things that are you know, coming against us. You know, we, have, we, we are a spirit. We live in a body. But listen, as we have a soul, which is our soul, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Can you say that with me? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's our soul. That, that, that right there, a lot of times, will determine where we go in our lives. We use different words like our attitude. You know, you, you've heard that your attitude will determine your altitude on how far and how high you can go. But it's your mind, your will, and emotions that are constantly playing on you. It is trying to guide you. Now, the series that we're in is entitled, Not One Will Be Able to Withstand You. Last week, we started the series, and you think, well, I, I didn't really hear anything about that. And you probably won't hear much about that this morning, but we're building a foundation. And I, and I want to encourage you that the excitement can build when you recognize the things that God has done for us as we're getting into the place of the revelation of not one that comes against you will be able to withstand you. Now why? Is because the Holy Spirit that lives in us gives us the ability not only to know what to do and where to go, but the protection to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Last week we talked about the three blind men. And, and if you look in your Bible for the story of the three blind men, you just won't find it because there are three different stories of a blind man. But each one of them, as I bring to your you know, recollection, it, it, that, that each one of those stories bring out, they, they want to say, who sent this man or his parents? But God, Jesus says, no, no, no. You'll see that the glory of God because of this situation will come from it. I'm going to heal this guy. Remember we talked about critics don't focus on miracles. Because even when the miracle took place of the healing of the blind man, oh, you know, or first of all, they said, be quiet. And, you know, there's always going to be critics in your life. And the more revelation you get about the love and the goodness of God and the blessing and the favor that comes on you and your family, are you ready? Because everybody goes, I want to have favor. But are you ready to handle the critics 
to the another level that you're going to receive the blessings, there's going to be more critics that will come. You get serious. And, and then remember, when we talked about the th three blind men, um, pretty much the third thing that I, I brought out is get out of unbelief city. Jesus took the blind men out of the city and said, don't go back to that city. Because they're going to probably, I mean, this is John, but they're going to try to talk you out of your miracle. There's people here that have experienced the miracle of, of maybe a financial blessing, a promotion in your life. Maybe you've got married uh, to somebody and, and your family went, he, he, don't, he don't love you, he don't love you. And then you go, he loves me, he, get, he gave me a ring, I'm going to get married. And then somebody will say, he still don't love you, he still don't. Critics will always be there in our life, but it's important for us to remember, get out of that culture of always somebody trying to talk you out of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We came to the conclusion that the Word of God is true. We came to the conclusion last week that we said that all of God's promises, how many is that? All. Are yes. And it's up to you to say amen, which is to say out of your mouth, I'm confessing, so be it. I am putting my hope in the promise God has for me. Do you remember the, the first week that Gwen spoke to kind of do the transition between uh, the, the whole series on U-Turn where people are depressed and they don't see any hope and then boom! God comes into their life with a promise, the favor of God on their life, and it changes them. Do you remember she spoke on Psalms 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Woo, that right there will put you to bed at night going with a smile on your face, huh? One of the best parts of the whole passage, in my opinion, I, I mean, I, one of them, I got about 10 out of 10 of them, but the, one of my favorites is surely goodness and mercy will what? Follow you all the days of your life. Do, do you believe that? Come on now. Now, now. now listen, if you think, yes, I do believe that, whoo, that there's something about it. When, when you realize the goodness of God in your life, remember this, when you recognize the revelation comes that God is so good, He will provide for me when? In the future as well as now. And once we get that revelation of He is so good, He's going to provide for me in the future, then all of a sudden there's an indicator of that hope that you have in the future of what God's going to do for you. Put a smile on your face. Now watch this. Then all of a sudden there's an indicator saying, I'm thankful for that. Nobody has to talk you into being thankful. All of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, God is so good in my life. And then when that happens, you begin to have a place to put your faith. See, a lot of people say, I have faith. And then I go, well, what are you doing? We're, 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 well, I, I don't have any. I don't have a passage of Scripture. I don't. You don't have a vessel, the hope, to put your faith in. So when that happens, listen, faith is being sure of the things we hope for certain of the things we do not see. 
So when you, again, realize the goodness of God, you can look and go, God's going to provide me for me in the future. And in doing that, when you have faith in the future, there's power in the present. Now that seems so simple, and sometimes it goes in one ear and out the Yeah, yeah. Can, can I tell you, spiritually, spiritually speaking, take off your mask. <laughs> Allow yourself to recognize... Let the Holy Spirit speak into your life. This morning I want to show you a video I showed a hundred years ago, but this is one of my favorite videos on surely goodness and mercy. Well, follow me all the days of my life. Watch this. Is, it, is there anything cuter than that? Come on now. You know, I, I, I watched that and I start smiling. I looked at your faces. And now I can't see if you get a mask on, but I'm assuming you're smiling. But, but a lot of people will just start smiling and go, man, I wish I could just pinch her cheek or I could just squeeze her. And just look. Do, do you know God loves you that much? When you look at that little girl and you're kind of rooting for her and you're, She just can't wait to say that part. Shirley? Shirley? That, that's me. I just can't wait to say, is it time to say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life? And all of a sudden, in those times that are tough, in those times that I go, you know, God, I, I can't see you. I, I can't, I can't, I don't know what you're doing. It's time, John. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now this morning, I, I want to, again, I, we're building a foundation that, that you have to get, or, or in the weeks to come, you'll be like, oh, okay, okay. But if you get it, you'll be like, you might be singing so loud you throw Lisa off. You know what I mean? So, so this, praise and worship is going to be easy for you if you get this. There's three passages that I want to talk about today, all about the promise of, of God in one person's life. 
The, the first passage is in Genesis chapter 3, the second one is in Romans, and the third one is in Hebrews. But it's all about the same person, but as it's passed through the Old Testament to the New Testament, this is an example for you and me that when we go through times, and, and God has spoken to you, and if you do not know the promises of God for your life, let me, let me tell you this. This afternoon, start when you get home. Because all His promises are yes. It's up to you to say Amen. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I don't... Yeah, you're on a cruise wanting to know how you're going to pay for the food. It's already paid for. Can you recognize it as we go through this example? The Bible, the Old Testament, the ancients, as we know, faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certainly the things we do not see. These are the things the ancients did and were commended for. They walked by faith. The, the passage I want you to look at is one of my... Uh, uh, go-to passages when, when I get to this subject and it's on the subject of Abraham on hope. Now here's Abraham and, and when it starts out his story we all have a story and, and we're walking it out but where it starts is he's an Ur of Chaldees. He's around his family. He knows his people. It's familiar. He's got a system in his life that's operating when all of a sudden God shows up on the scene. Now, again, I could just summarize and I will summarize a lot of these, but I want to start by pointing it out for some of you that are analytical and go, chapter and verse, Pastor, I've got to have chapter and verse. Well, luckily I'm hearing to give you Genesis chapter 12. Now, now watch this. It says this. The Lord had said to Abram, this is before his name is changed to Abraham. He says, Jesus, or God says, Go! From your country, your people, listen to all the places that he's coming out of Unbelief City. Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. Now again, this is a total blind faith that he's going to go, but he's going on the hope that God is going to be the good God that he believes he's going to be. He hasn't seen it. He hasn't used any of his senses to prove it. He hasn't seen it, tasted it, touched it, heard it, all these things of the goodness. He is believing by faith. I want you to go to the land I will show you. Now verse 2 says, this is the promises to this man. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Now there's only one problem with this is to be a great nation you've got to have children, especially sons. He has zero. Okay. I will make you your name great and will be a blessing. Watch this. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now the only way that happens is through his offspring, his children, they're a blessing to somebody else. This is contingent on his children walking in the blessings. Verse number four. There, there, there is no promise until he gets in motion. I want you to understand that. When it gets to verse four, it says, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. He also took Lot and he took his wife Sarah and all their possessions that they accumulated and the people... They had acquired in Haram, and they were set out to the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah, 
at Shechem, I love that word, Shechem, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Okay, it's kind of giving you uh, some factual evidence that this isn't a fairy tale. This is an actual place. When he gets to this place in verse 7, all of a sudden something happens. It says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. See, he could go back years later and go, this is where the promise took place. It was a monument, an altar to God, but also it was a monument in his mind to say, that's when the promise came to me. Now watch this. Here's the call of the promise that you'll have a son. If you go through the story of Abraham, Abram and then Abraham, there are high points where, where he, he's seeing actually physically things in the physical realm, favor of God. He's increasing in wealth. He, he's seeing uh, his uh, uh, favor and protection and overcoming enemies. Then he has low times. What, what I'm trying to make a point of is life has ebbs and flows. The guy up here in the suit coat is not trying to give you that everything is going to be perfect. But when they go down or you have the ebbs and flows, it's not a time to go, I quit, I'm starting something else. So fast forward thousands of years to Romans chapter 4 and Paul sits down and he begins to reflect on this and in the word of God it says this in Romans chapter 4 I'm sorry in Romans chapter 4 verse 18 this is this is Abraham has lived his life and as if you know the story he's had Isaac which is a miracle because he is a hundred years of age when he has baby Isaac mama Sarah is 90 We were blessed to have a child born into the church, Ken and Sherry Davis. Ken was 51. All the women in the church at that time were so excited. There, and all the men had this smile on their face. We have talked about it to Ken and Sherry so many times. They came in to announce that. Everybody's excited. All the men are going, How old are you again, Ken? Wow! Can you imagine being a hundred years of age? I don't know how he carried the car seat. But all the times that he's waiting, see, we just fast forward and he had a baby and hallelujah, let's go home. He went through tough times when, when he's trying to find out what's plan B. God's what, what do you want me to do? Should I, should, I, should I give the inheritance to my slave instead of a son? God, are you going to do something else? And, and we know the story of Hagar and Ishmael, which was not God's plan. So, so all through the highs and lows, but he still did something that today, why is he called the father of our faith? 
Here's why. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, and this, will, this is the revelation you need to get. Against all hope, Abraham in hope, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Remember back when he was making the uh, altar? Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years of age and Sarah's womb was also dead. See, that was reality. Nobody was saying, oh, you're a spring chicken. You can know that the fact was you can't have a baby. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded. How can you be fully persuaded? He was. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Against all hope. Has anybody besides John Miller been there when you didn't have any, it seemed, against all hope, but you still believed? We're going to go there today. Against all hope. It says, but against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. Now, now here, here's where I'm going, and, and I want you, I'm, I'm going to talk about it a while. So when I say, I'm going to leave you with this, don't get excited. I'm not about that. But anyway, what I want you to do is look at Hebrews chapter 4. Real quick. Turn over to Hebrews. I'm, I'm going to get these passages right. Hebrews chapter 6. What do you think I said? Hebrews 6. All right. Now get ready. Here's a man that has faith and he's 75, and he has to wait 25 years for the promise to come. There's so many people that want to rip up the tree and transplant it here for six days, six weeks. Pull it up, come over here, and then they say, you dirty tree, why aren't you growing? This morning, in Hebrews chapter 6, here's, here's Paul. And he says this as a different angle. He says, When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Now why would he do that? I'm glad you asked, because it's going to answer that. Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. That's the promise to this guy, Abraham. And so after waiting patiently, we're going to talk about patience, they say, Pastor, tell me that week i got to be gone that week. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Then he goes into saying what happened. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to the argument. In other words, I swear by heaven and earth. And, you know. But God didn't have anybody greater, so he said, I'm going to swear by myself. Because God wanted, here it is for you and I. Ready? Why did He do that? Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose 
very clear to the heirs of what was promised. Clear to the people of the chapel what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. God, you're backing yourself in the corner. If you promise it, He's big enough. Are you big enough to receive it? Are you in unbelief city which you're coming up with all kinds of excuses? Sometimes He does and sometimes He doesn't. He wanted to tell us the nature of His purpose. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which was impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us. Now watch this. The hope that is set before us that we might be greatly encouraged. You're going to be encouraged in a minute. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. What, what is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's right. I was in La La Land. Could you say that again? Here we go again. We have this hope. What is our hope? That God cannot lie and His promises are yes. And amen is up to us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain which our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now again, there's too much there to, to go into a lot of detail. And if you want, I can go into it later with you. But I want you to see here the, the purpose of everything. This right here is an anchor. This is Walmart's best right here. Yesterday. Now listen, when an anchor is let down by the captain. Some of you didn't know that I was a captain. Yeah. 16 foot John boat. Aluminum. Blows in the wind if a bird is crying. You know, it blows right across the lake. But there's something about an anchor that you dropped it right off the rope right there. Yeah, I wish I could blame it on Walmart, but I think it was my Royal Ranger knot that I put in it. All our Royal Rangers, it wasn't Royal Rangers, it wasn't Royal Rangers, it was me. Okay. When, when, when a captain lets down the anchor, there, there's, a, there's a piece that they can, they can realize that the ship isn't going anywhere. The boat isn't going anywhere. It might come over here a little bit. It might blow over here a little bit. But it's going to stay right because of the anchor. Now this morning, I want you to see this as I drank my agar over here for a minute. We have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. I want you to repeat that. I'm going to say it one more time, then I'm going to ask you to repeat it. All of you that can see. 
I'm going to say it one more time. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I want you to say it out of your mouth. I know you but I want you to say it out of your mouth so that your ears can hear yourself talking. Say it with me. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. If you've ever been out in the ocean, you will just float around if you do not have any propel, propels, uh, propose, what's the word? Yeah, whatever. But there's something about realizing that as we go through life and there's this ebb and every God is good. Anybody can praise God when the day's good. But what happens when the day goes a little low? You know what I mean? And the, the dog ate your shoe? Huh? They, they get a flat tire? Your spouse said something wrong that just pushed your button? And you get back and you go, what should I do? You say, my hope is anchored in the promise that God is going to provide for me in the future. He's going to bring me through this. Again, let the recognition of the Holy Spirit be speaking to you. This morning I asked Lisa to sing that song which, which maybe some of you grew up on. It's a hymn. Can, can I read some of it? It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Why? Because God is so good that He sends His Son to die on the cross for us. His blood and righteousness is what we've anchored our hope in. Now watch this. Have you ever been to a place where you really didn't know if you should be there? And you went with a friend that was there, maybe the owner of the place, or maybe he has extreme authority and, and a great reputation in that place, but you are there and you're, you're kind of out of place and somebody comes and says, what are you doing here? And all of a sudden you go, oh no. Can, can you put yourself in a in a in maybe a, a restaurant and there's a huge motorcycle gang, huh? Come on, work with me. And they go, are you supposed to be in this place? And your buddy that's the owner of the restaurant, he comes in, he says, he's with me. And everybody goes, okay. That's how God looks at you, that little girl that says, Shirley, Shirley. God says, I, I love you so much. I, I got this. You're with me. You can put your anchor down. And listen, keep your anchor down in me. This morning, our God is not limited to time and circumstances. He's a supernatural God. Now, now when you get that, you, you understand that there's times where, where it seems like there is fact. You get a bad report. At this point in history, you have a terminal disease. But see, here's the reality is God can speak truth into that situation that says, 
It is terminal. But one more thing that trumps. You're with me. By, your, by my stripes you were healed. And all of a sudden people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not supposed to be healed. And you hear God say, yeah, but He was with me. When David, as you remember a couple of weeks ago, he is out to fight and he comes home to Ziglag and him and his men look and the, the whole city's burning and everybody has been kidnapped by the enemy. What would he do? Where would he go? What is it? And it says that he gets by himself and encourages himself in the Lord. His men are talking about stoning him. I preached that message about him remembering who his God was and remembering what he had done in the past. And he chose not to pull up his anchor, but to hold on to his hope that was in God. Why, old soul, are you downcast? I will put my hope in God. The Bible says that God told him, in John Miller terminology, I got this. You're with me. Pursue the enemy, not one will be taken or destroyed. The story goes that David traveled so fast and so far, a lot of his men would give up. And, and they said, but he continued to go with the men that would go with him. And they defeated the enemy and received every, their wives, their children, everybody back. All their possessions. And, and, and what I even love is not only did he get all his stuff and all his people back, but he got all the enemy stuff. Think about it. When a young girl is in a foreign country and her name is Esther and, and she is it's just a whirlwind and she's put into a position of authority of the queen and one day, you know, all is good, all is good until the one day a, a, a storm blows in and the storm is word that the enemy is going to kill all the Jewish people, all your people. And remember, Uncle Mordecai says, for such a time as this, this is why you're here. To hold on to the anchor. Don't, Esther, don't pull it up and, and go over here and, well, I'll try something else. See, she at that moment said, you know what? I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. But, 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 you know, going to the stuttering. But God said, I got this. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, if here's Esther and she goes into the king. The king that has made the verdict that all her people shall be put to the sword or to, to come under a, an attack. The king that is not understanding that his queen is a Jewish person. And the story goes that God miraculously moves through that circumstance where her king said, or her she says to the king, somebody's trying to kill all of the people and me too. And it's that guy. That guy ended up dying. All the enemy ended up dying. Why? Because God said, you have put your anchor of hope in me. I want to encourage you today. Don't pull up your anchor of hope just because some situations come into your life. We, we talked about this for a week. It's, it's not a, a circumstance. It's a perceptual problem. When, when all the problems, life gets 
can, can I tell you, some of you guys live on such a high. We, we all do to a certain point where we, we got to be entertained by TV or cell phones. You know, we got, we got what's next? What's next? Gwen, what's, dance for me. Dance. Come on, dance. You know, i got to be entertained. All, if we're not careful, the first little wind that blows in, what do we do? Oh, I've got, got to pull up my hole. God ain't going to provide. I'll put it over here. Let me tell you, when we put our hope in the Lord, Lisa mentioned it this morning during worship, when we, when we put our hope that God would move us to a place, if you don't know the story of our church, let me just tell you, I only got about two hours to tell you, so sit back, get comfortable. That we relocated a church from Haltom City but on that street that the church was on, it was five total churches. Now, to you, you're like, huh? But as a pastor, I was so proud. I was 26 years of age, and I had all the... I couldn't sleep at night. And, and one of my friends came and said, this is kind of cool. If you had a, a big roof over the street, you'd have a church mall. <laughs> He didn't mean anything, but what he was saying is, you got a lot of, got a lot of churches people can choose. It's like hauling water to the ocean. We decided to haul water to the desert. Out here wasn't a church at the time, and we began to relocate a church. When we sold the church, land in this area would go for about 10,000 an acre. But when we actually sold the building, it was going for $43,000 an acre. We, we, we couldn't find land. But let me tell you, when God puts the word and the promise in your heart, okay, God, that's a promise for me. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on. And let me tell you, it was, I know God probably thought like I was a June bug on a string. You know what I mean? Boom! I but boy, I held on. A lot of opportunities. And let me tell you, it, my, my heart would begin sending signals up to my brain saying, give a good excuse why you should leave the church. Anybody ever been there before? Uh, easy. Or we, won't, we won't get out until 2, okay? So... So when God began to speak to me, you know, instead of sitting on our couch and believing by faith, you know what I mean? God says, come on, get out there and get it. I became a real estate agent to, to be able to find land because people, I realized, wasn't calling a pastor back that had as much money as I had to buy land. They're like, how much? Huh? Well, tell you what, I'll call you, don't call me. It wasn't much better, but when I got the MLS, you know, multiple listings, you know, as a, as a real estate agent, I was. it was right as the uh, internet was coming popular, and then I realized that pretty much everybody could get it, you know, but I, I had my, and, and God, I'm holding on. And let me tell you, God says, I want you, this is how, now we're 
down off of almost 28th Street in Layton. And, and God says, I want you to drive down Golden Triangle and get every phone number off of the signs. I called everybody. I have the MLS at my disposal. I'm a real, did I tell you I'm a real estate agent? I ended up, I haven't sold one piece of property. So I, I call all the numbers, and one day a guy calls me, and his name is Wayne Winters. Don't know Wayne. Uh, and he says, hey, I got a piece of property. Yeah, and, and I left a message, and he called me back, and he said, yeah. And, and it's down there, uh, you know, on Golden Triangle. Okay, okay. And he goes, it, it's about 400 feet by about 1,200 feet. So I'm thinking it's like 400 feet on Golden Triangle and about 1,200 feet back. It's like, what? Okay, I'll talk but when I came out here, I realized that you, you know the property. It goes from here all the way down past the coffee shop. And I thought, uh oh. I'm interested. He said, I tell you what, we're asking about 100. Uh, we were asking 220, but for a church, we'll ask give you about 165. Now, now he, he probably heard the phone drop and the car start. You know what I mean? I'm going over to his office. I take, uh, you, you know, uh, Joe, and at the time Walt was um, at Collins, and then um, Joe and Ina May, and we go over there, and you, you know Ina May. She, she kind of giggled more than she, you know, would make it. She'd be assertive, an older lady, beautiful lady, un, unbelievable. And the other two guys, we, we go in there, and beautiful office. And he goes, we'll offer it to you for 165 The The, the contract is ready. And so these guys, we start talking and go, well, we only have 135000 What if we offered him 135000 What we didn't realize is he didn't own it. Don Davis, some old-time, multi-millionaire, which is the car dealer some of you have heard of before, maybe Don Davis, he bought it as an investment. He goes, let me talk to him. He got back with us. He'll take your 135000 Listen, it wasn't... That day it was like, you know it, you know it. Check me out. I'm holding. My hope is firmly planted. I'm not pulling this up. Here's the problem. We, we don't have a penny to build the building. We put it all in the land. But God says, you're with me. Do you know that this building was built on the hope that you would be here today? And each one of you, as you show up, my heart gets excited. I'm a pastor. I can be sitting down at Axiom and every customer that comes in, I'm saying, oh God, thank you. I see a car pull in the parking lot. Thank you, God. They pull out because they're turning around. Oh, God, bring them back. We, we began to finance the building and we, put, we built the building. It, it got more expensive and it got more expensive and we were doing the work ourselves. and We built this building and, and people began to come and Pretty soon we outgrew, the youth group was meeting in the hallway and we needed a building. 
and, and the, the music group, the music singers, worship singers were wanting hear back systems and different instruments, the keyboard and all. So we began to pray. We needed $8,800. Or we needed somewhere around $8,000 for the music equipment. Do you know that right at that time that Golden Triangle was being built, and they said, would you mind if we met in your church for the community? I said, no, not at all. Come on. When they were here, I began to say, if you're building Golden Triangle, what if you just put the concrete plant that's going to build it down here on our property? Well, we don't do it. We get a contractor. We think that guy... Hey, I hear you're the contractor. What What if you... Put it. He says, okay, we can do that. All the time, I'm not letting go. They put that, we get a lot of money. This is all floodplain down through here. And you think, well, to, to buy 10 and a half acres for 135 is good, but it was in the floodplain. Do you know how much money we got to fill in? How much... It, just, just I think it was $16,000 was going to be charged to the, the coffee shop construction just to build it up two foot. We have built everything out here. You, you could stand on that back parking lot and the guy down at the bottom of the hill, your feet would be over his head. That's how much we filled in to build the youth building. All the way down, we built it up over three feet. All that dirt would have cost hundreds of thousands. Free. That's right. That's why I'm bad here. Did you say free? Some of you were here and we're, we're holding, holding the anchor. This is where, because God, you promised it. I'm not pulling up the anchor. You said it. I believe it. People say we're crazy. Why are you building out there in the sticks? There's nobody out there. You got a veterinarian. God, I'm not letting go. I'm holding on to the hope. You get. Do you know? Let me fast track this, because I could. Mm, God is so good. I could tell you details. Golden Triangle comes in. They cut off three feet of our property just off the front to make that turn easier, and they give us over eight thousand dollars for the music equipment. God says, "I got it. I got this." We built the youth building for one hundred thirty-five thousand. They come back to city of Fort Worth and they say, Pastor, do you, do you know that Golden Triangle goes in front of your church and right there at the intersection, the, the Crawford Farms entrance doesn't line up with Rancho Place. What we would like to do is cut off the corner and we'd like to put an intersection there. Now, Pastor John says, I almost give it to him free, just put an intersection out in front of our church, right? Holy Spirit says, I got this. This hope. Hold on. I want you to ask 135000 to sell that quarter of an acre of your ten and a half acres. You don't have any money, John? I got this. The guy looks at me and says, we will condemn that quarter of an acre before we give you 130000 35000 Two weeks go by and they said, after... Rethinking about it, 
In other words, God saying, yes, you will. We get a check for 135. You've seen those big old lottery winner checks? We didn't get one of those, but let me tell you, we were taking pictures by that $135,000 check. You didn't have to tell I made a smile, did you? Why? Because we're holding on. Don't pull up your anchor. Keep your anchor down. Listen to this. You say, Pastor, why do you continue to tell those stories? Let me tell you, just right now, I'll, I'll keep telling them over and over. Because it's John Miller remembering who God is and what He's done in my life and in our life. And here's just something behind the scenes. You go, Pastor, everything's worked out in your favor and the church's favor and not in my favor. Let me tell you, here's what I want you to believe with me. The next step is the retail building receiving a tenant to move in. Do you realize that we built that? Do you realize that a pastor, John Miller, can tell this story a lot better in five years after it happens? It's not easy. But I'll tell you right now that the pressure financially is on us to pull up our anchor and say, God, I... I, I I didn't what I, I I don't know, but you and I, as we hold on to the hope of the promises of God in our lives, and says, "I got this." Can you say so? Be it because I've already said yes. I'm working behind the scenes, rearranging things. Would you just give me time? Now this morning I could tell you, I wish I could tell you that good news Disneyland is renting the place, you know. They decided to double the rent and give it to us too. But I'm not letting go. Do you know I want you to think about this because a lot of times we begin to drift and if we don't keep our anchor down what happens is we find ourselves in unbelief city or doubt city or whatever. See, when I was a child, going to, uh, I'm sorry, my sister and I, Julie, we, we went on a trip, uh, our family did, to Miami. And, and why do you go to Miami but to go to the beach and get in the water? So my family went, we had a picnic, and we, we get out into the, to the beach side, and we, we play a little bit, and we're kids, and, and we get into the water and start splashing around, and everything's fun. And then, then pretty soon it's time to eat, and we, we realize... Our towels and our parents are way down there. Has anybody ever swam in the ocean? You begin to drift just a little bit. As you jump in the waves and you're laughing, you think, huh. I want you to realize this, that it wasn't a hurricane that moved us down the beach a couple hundred yards. It wasn't a tornado when the flood. It wasn't something big. It was just the culture. It was just the, the flow of the ocean, the natural ability of just watching yourself slowly drift. See, some of us get in a place where we pulled up our anchor. And, and we don't even realize that when we pull it up, we just gradually drift. We get a little negative. Things are coming out of our mouth that are a little bit maybe fearful. People will point out something in our life. and we, Leave me alone. Because why? 
you pulled up your anchor and you begin to drift. See, you don't, you don't believe, or, or you would say, oh, no, no, I believe in the promises of God. But my hope is in the reality. Listen, the reality that it just might not be for me. I encourage you today to keep your anchor down. Sarah was 90. Abraham was 100. Listen, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. At this point, you can go like this. Surely goodness. Surely goodness. Now, now. And God says, Yes, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the hacienda, the casa, the house of the Lord forever. God, I can't see a way. He'll make a way. The worship team is coming. Oh, come on, worship team. I want you to respond if you believe that you can keep your anchor down and have hope in God. His promises are yes. How can He do it? Because you're going to speak, you're going to confess in this song with your mouth. All of you that we're ears hear it he's a way maker he's a miracle worker it can't happen there's no no hope he's a miracle worker nothing's too hard for him can you stand come on man respond sing your set your head back sing it with everything that you got hallelujah hallelujah